0: De ster van de stad altijd dichtbij RTV Maastricht
1: Everybody, oh. welcome Hi. back to RTV Student Radio Maastricht with me, Halfdan and. Yes! Alright, so uh, here comes the second edition or the second <clears> throat> hour throat> of, of this program. Um, get comfortable because now we're going to be talking about chosen family mm-hmm. and safe spaces because some people need to choose their families
2: and some people are not guaranteed safe spaces Mm. yeah yeah because that's one one other assumption that you're born into a family that will love and accept you no matter what where this is really not so much the reality and we see a lot of um a lot of queer homelessness you know it's a lot of it's a it's a big problem when when queer people come out especially at a young age many parents are not accepting and Mm. that might be for very different reasons and that happens in all sort of layers of society it's not that this is something that happens in in like internally or like inherently homophobic societies such as the East, quote-unquote, but it's very much a a big problem in the global North, I would say, and I know so many people who don't talk to their families, who are not having a good relationship because the families are just homophobic. They are just for generations they've been homophobic and queerphobic and they are not living with their kid being out and proud and queer. And so this is where chosen family comes in yeah
1: I mean you and I are blessed huh? mm. we both have uh, although in my case kind of conservative and traditional at times uh, still still blessed and still Yeah. luckily I mean it's it's a privilege to not have to look for another family although I mean in my experience I've also um gone to cities like Berlin or Amsterdam or
2: particularly to
1: look for yeah. other queer communities mm-hmm. I mean right. where I either had friends already the queer friends that I wanted to be with and spend time around and have someone to s- be around someone who had experienced similar
2: yeah. uh, experiences and uh yeah. yeah, Yeah, and here I think chosen family really becomes so important and it doesn't have to be that you are sort of put out on the streets in order to need a chosen family I think a lot of queer people, mm. no matter how accepting their family is need and long for a chosen family, and I can say this 100% about myself, my family is extremely loving and extremely caring and sensitive towards me being non-binary, but at the same time they are all heterosexual and there is just certain certain things about myself that i feel like they can't understand Uh or they're like trying to understand but they can't quite get it Mm -hmm. and i feel like they don't understand me when i'm talking and that leads to some frustration so i think it is really important to find this other community that you actually know that you can actually relate to, that other people can know what you're going through or at least empathize much more with your struggle because they've been to, through similar events. Yeah. Yeah, for That's sure. That's the chosen family. Mm. And I think to make the connection to the safe spaces is a lot of the times, um, a lot of the times communities exist in spaces you know a lot Uh of the times for example the family lives in a house you know like you have this sort of sacred environment for the biological family Uh and uh and i think for the chosen family these spaces don't really exist so much or you have to create them and i think this is where the element of safe space comes in because you create spaces which can be cyber communities which can be chat rooms which can be groups which can be like networks uh-huh. but also very much physical spaces Yeah, that you just have a certain locality where you know you're gonna be accepted no matter what in all shapes forms, sizes mm. sexual, gender, identities yeah. you're gonna be loved and cherished no matter what period yeah.
1: and I think it's also important to point out that what we in the queer community sometimes call this scene, so gay bars or clubs or saunas, um, festivals, just because it tailors to a particular identity doesn't necessarily mean it's Mm. a safe space. I mean, I've been to plenty of parties that were advertised as... Um, queer friendly, yeah. where I've seen crazy racism, mm-hmm. where I've seen crazy transphobia, and so mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we also begin to reflect
2: on being more inclusive. Yeah, yeah, and actually, in some cases, it might very much be necessary to make these safe spaces exclusive that certain people are just not allowed and that might not be that might not do justice to every person because there might be amazing like cis male identifying persons that are super crazy allies and embrace you and love you and cherish you for what you are but there are also just cis male identifying people who are either displaying like Toxic masculine patriarchal behavior, or uh, or trigger this in other people. So I think not just male, huh? Not just male, for uh, sure. Also, like I've also been has had plenty
1: of experience of being completely tokenized by straight women. As like, mm-hmm. Ooh, like he could be my gay friend, you know? And Does I've it had make women, yeah, a gay best friend. Yeah, I mean, I've had mm-hmm. women come up to me and grab my crotch and be like, Haha,
2: like as if that yeah. was like. Uh, okay just because i'm gay yeah yeah right so then it's really not about only like excluding cisgender men but also maybe cisgender women in some cases where you really want this queer safe space Mm. that people of that just people of sexually diverse identities can come together and Um. there's it's really this idea of acceptance like unconditional acceptance and unconditional love and every element of rejection is eliminated 100 percent yeah and of course that's not always easy you know of course it like sometimes you always you have different ideas of what safe spaces means and also within queer communities you have Mm. different forms of queerness as we said in the beginning it's
1: a conversation that needs to be happening more like how do we establish these Safe spaces. Yeah, Yeah. and
2: after this next song, we're gonna talk about exactly that inclusivity, exclusivity within queer spaces, and the need to diversify our analysis and make it more intersectional. Yes. Yes. So, what's the next song? Tell me.
1: A very special song, my one of my favorite songs. You are in my system, by
2: the system. Because you're in the system, babe. Alright, yeah. Am I also in your system? Of
0: course. <laughs> I'll keep on pushing, pushing Until I get (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: That was you are in my system by the system. And we are still live
2: on RTV Maastricht one hundred seven point five FM. Yes. So two
1: So what were we talking about? Yeah, what were we talking yeah, about? Yeah, we were just talking about Just speaking so much truth. Mm. It's hard to keep yeah. track sometimes. Yeah oh my god. Yeah. Truth bombing everyone else. Okay, but there. let's
2: but let's try and remember. Um Safe space. Ah, yeah. safe space something about yes that. Mm. yes yeah so let's continue this this path you mm. know and i think it's always interesting to hear um, our personal experiences about this so i would like to ask you you lived most of your life or like the years before you came to maastricht in copenhagen right well i was born in
1: copenhagen but i've also lived four years in the states two in texas two in California. <laughs> <laughs> Seven years in France. I'm very rehearsed in, you know, telling nice. my life story. I have to ask because I have a bunch of family in California. Where in Calais? Uh about forty minutes from San Francisco. Okay, I'm yeah. f- I'm I'm a
2: SoCal kid more than anything else, uh, but that's okay. nice okay. <laughs> okay. Oops. But what I meant is like the immediate years before going to Maastricht. That was in France. That was in France.
1: Yeah, but Last year, even before this... Um, yeah, I'm sorry to bring it up. Corona. Uh, even before Corona happened, uh, Miss Rona, as I like to call her, um, I was living in Denmark. Mm-hmm. I was living in Copenhagen. Exactly. I needed to take a, I needed to take a... A leave of absence. I needed to take some time for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, for multiple reasons, one being the need to explore a bigger city and hopefully find um, more queer people to be around. Because as we said earlier in this program, it's really important to surround yourself with queer people if you have the opportunity, right?
2: Right. Mm. And what was your experience with queer community in Copenhagen or with safe spaces? Well, it was really interesting
1: because... I, Although I was born there, I really only had not even a handful of, of friends there. So I kind of had the amazing opportunity to create a new life. To create not a new identity, but certainly create a social circle that was... Um, that was, you know, more accommodating to my queer sense of self, and um, and so in the first few months that I was there before Corona happened, I was I was hitting the club, I was raving, I was I was listening I was so listening so for the techno, you know. I wanted to I wanted to find those queer rave kids <laughs> um, and um, and make make some friends, you know and uh yeah I found a lot of um a lot of different spaces Mm -hmm. um some very safe some not as much uh luckily as uh as I hope I said before I am white and and uh rather upper middle class and I have a lot of privilege so luckily I am thankfully i'm able to fit into some spaces where um others might not like such as trans people people of color um yeah and um one there's one story that i would really like to tell and that was my story that was when i went to pride i go to pride every year in copenhagen um it's more, it's mostly, unfortunately, more of a celebration than it is, um...
2: A protest.
1: A protest. Mm. Um, and a couple years ago, I went, I went to, um, I went to this after party of an alternative pride that was much more focused on, uh, diversity, people of color and trans individual, non-binary, genderqueer individuals, and um, and uh, yeah I was queuing up, I was queuing, lining up for this after party and um, at the squat where there's um, definitely a prior prioritization of um, cutie BIPOCs Mm -hmm. so queer, trans, intersex black, indigenous, people of color for those who didn't know Um, and yeah when I was standing in front of the bouncer, the bouncer looked at me up and down and could see my privilege and said, "I'm sorry, but you've got to, you've got to find another party tonight."
2: And how does that feel? Didn't it feel well
1: at first? I was like, "Shit!" Like, yeah. I was hoping to go to this party, you know. No, you but were ready, but, to but party then it up. I mean, within uh, in twenty minutes later, I was at another rave, you know, and I thought there's a lot of people who are not as, like me, able to immediately um, find places where they can be themselves. I mean, this was pride, right? So there was a lot of parties for, for, there was a lot of gay parties that night. Um, But yeah, just, yeah, it made me reflect on the fact that that, uh, what's a safe space for me might not necessarily be a safe space for other people.
2: yeah. Yeah and that there is really a need of safe spaces within safe spaces and mm-hmm. safe spaces of different degrees mm-hmm. and prioritization of those with multiply intersectional identi or like with identities that are multiple and that are intersecting for mm-hmm. example black trans people or trans people of color or um disabled people mm-hmm. That yeah. just can't go to, as you said, these other like gay parties around that might be not very safe for those kind of mm. p- for those people. Mm. So in that sense, I think it, o- it it might seem exclusionary at first, right? Like mm. you might think, "Oh, what? Like I queued up for this one hour, and I mean, I'm super gay, I'm super queer, and I'm super, 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 super an aware yeah. of my privilege." Blah blah mm. blah blah blah. But then it still doesn't change the fact that mm. other people cannot go anywhere else if they cannot get into this party or they wouldn't feel safe to get into Mm. if they couldn't get into this party i
1: have to keep in mind that you know i'm just my presence might be kind of traumatic or for other people you know just because they have been so excluded by people the white people uh or, yeah men
2: yeah and yeah. not just excluded but really oppressed mm-hmm. huh? like mm-hmm. violated discriminated mm, totally against, yeah yeah yeah.
1: yeah. alright so uh, we're gonna be talking a bit more about visibility and representation and your take on community as non-binary person after this song The Light Cara Cara Bonito
2: Remix by Metronomy yeah we talked so much about party <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah hope you're having fun out there
3: the water on the other side Take me to the light
1: Oh my god, that was fun I I don't know about you, but I was dancing so much Mm, (laughs) mm. Alright, so As I said before We're going to be talking about Visibility and representation And um, And you, my dear You, my dear Bela I've really Been wanting to ask you for a, a long time Your Sort of take of community as a non-binary person, because I understand that sometimes, um, queers are way, a uh, gays, excuse me, are way over, over-represented, so homosexual men and, and women, and, uh, trans, trans people, and, uh, non-binary people are really under-represented, upper, excuse me, under so, um, yeah, I was just curious to he- hear what has that been like for you?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. and I think for me it's still something that I'm exploring and that I'm sort of trying to grasp. But definitely there's quite a problematic relation even within the queer community because it still mm. functions a lot on binary terms. So yeah, you as you said, you have gay men and lesbian women so that's a binary and then within gay men and lesbian women you have this element of butch and femme so Mm. like non-normative ideas about masculinity and femininity but it's still you know only two options right like you can be a butch lesbian and you can be a femme lesbian or you can be a femme gay man but what about people that want to display none of the two or both or just don't associate with gender at all Mm. (laughs) and for sure a lot of the times i really don't see myself represented and i mean Mm. lately it has of course not been in like physically represented as in like going to parties and seeing a bunch of other trans people and non-binary people but mainly through Media, when Mm. you see advertisements that are supposedly queer, or when you see um, Instagram pages, for example, where it's supposed to be for queer people, a lot Mm. of the times it's like, wow, look at this gay man wearing a skirt, wow, amazing, Mm. so transgressive. When actually, what about all these amazing, strong, transgender and gender non conforming? people that have been on the forefront of gay liberation and queer liberation since the beginning since stonewall and even before and i think that's tragic and i think that's horrible and it makes me really angry actually every time i see this and also what we talked about before with pride being a party for gay white masculine men it's extremely exclusionary and yeah. it's really this tip of the iceberg of yeah. the queer experience or the gender non-conforming experience and i always feel completely non-represented to be yeah. honest and this is a little bit why i'm doing what i'm doing now trying to raise awareness and trying to create visibility for gender non-conformity and to show yeah. that being gender queer is beautiful and being gender queer is being proud and it's work yeah a source of strength and you really don't have to be in the gender binary even as a queer person mm. and honey you're so fierce <laughs> I, I love it yeah I, feel, I also
1: find the best yeah you're doing great trust me <laughs> um, yeah I feel like as a gay man this under-representation of other queer identities has also been kind of limiting to me because also the kind of representation of, of gay men is also kind of uh, is also kind of uh, slim, you know? I, I, I definitely thought that there was a specific way to be gay when I came out, you know? That I had to be, you know, this this fashionable witty one-liner you know um i don't know like super femme different yeah there was there was definitely like a very slim way
2: in my mind i thought to be gay you know yeah i think that has a lot to do with normativity Mm. we've been talking a lot about heteronormativity and how we grow up in this heterosexual society but in fact i also think within the queer spectrum within the LGBTQI+ plus spectrum there's a lot of normativity and particularly also in the non-binary focus which is something that is really concerning to me and it's really close to my heart because there's a certain level of expectations on how to be non-binary mm-hmm. which is this myth of androgyny so you're supposed to be 50% man 50% woman some sort of hermaphrodite just a fusion, something super exotic that's mm. sort of within the genders and thereby ex- like exquisite. And I really think that this is really harmful because, I mean, of course, there are certain people that are androgynous naturally and they want to be like that. But there are also people that maybe present 100% feminine or 100% mm. masculine but just don't associate with this idea of manhood and womanhood and breaking the binary in that sense and then their existence and their experience is delegitimized through this trans normativity. Mm. And I feel that a lot, that I sometimes catch myself conditioning myself to be more androgynous, to be more accepted as a non-binary individual and when I go and have a talk and when I when I go and have a meeting about something that I'm thinking oh I need to put on some makeup really quick or I need to you know make my hair look really nice so I present more femme so yes I think there's a lot of liberation to do also within the queer community
1: Mm. oh my god everyone are we being so educated by this woke fierce queen over here I'm loving yeah I'm loving listening to these to, to these thoughts and experiences you're making yeah um all right so uh next up we got a uh, we got a beautiful singer Solange stay flow
2: we're gonna take it a little bit more slow yeah. sensual with the song yeah
1: but stay with us you're on 107.5 FM. RTV R down not it on
3: Get on home and they feel it all the way Take it on shots and they feel it on their face Take it all down, make them feel it on their face Men get down and they put it on the show Girls getting down every day Working out of town on the floor Making things rain on the ground just get down and they feel it on their face
1: Stay flow by Solange. By the way, do yourself a favor and check out this entire album. It's lit. Um. All right, so now we will be talking about the radical potential of queer community. It's getting serious in these last minutes. So, for I feel as though throughout this show we've been talking a lot about. you know how how these binaries, how these normative perceptions of of uh, gender and sexuality and um, and community as a whole has been has been really harmful for a lot of queer identifying people, and I think it's also important for us to keep in mind that with queer community there's also opportunity yes. and um... yeah and um... it's important to mind that it's important to keep in mind that that this opportunity is extremely political and uh... yeah I was wondering whether um, you could speak a bit more about this my
2: my radical darling. Oh, sure honey, I have so much to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. So, for me, being queer and particularly being gender queer is not only an identity. It's not only a personal ident it's not a label. It's not a category, but it's much more of a methodology. So, it's a way of questioning the fabricated normalcy that we all grow up and socialize in so that is the cis heteronormative white able-bodied world to only have four points maybe let's add also colonially racist and capitalist to the equation mm-hmm. and keep that in mind yes mm. and queerness or when we think about it in more academic terms queer, um, queer theory is really questioning all sort of systems of power and all systems of oppression because the thing is that with the creation of every norm there's also a subjugation of non-normative identities Mm -hmm. and behaviors and existences so what i think is important is to see queerness also in that light that being queer and being out loud and proud can also really be a way of challenging this status quo this normalcy and therefore it becomes highly political so i think for me being genderqueer i have experienced so much of challenging all kinds of binaries Mm -hmm. and i think it really applies to all binaries you know like it applies to overcoming this distinction between black and white and between educated and uneducated between rational Uh and irrational not to be like color blind and anything and i think it's this is still an act of resistance and it's still it's not as if like oh we're thinking that and then all of a sudden we don't See color anymore and there's no more racism but I think it can be a methodology to constantly keep challenging these assumed these assumptions and these fabricated normacy the status quo. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was wondering when did you first experience the potential, the radical potential of queer community?
2: Yeah. So I think that is for me in Maastricht, but even actually earlier already in Berlin when you really perceive queerness as not only consumption and not a party and not a celebration, but a creation. It's like... It's you're unlearning certain things and Mm relearning others, Mm -hmm. establishing other forms of being with Mm -hmm. each other and and normalizing being together outside of the norm of the nuclear family and um, the heterosexuality and being Mm. in the spaces where all identities are being given space to be expressed. Yeah.
1: That's what to me is really well part of what's really interesting to me about queer community is that it allows it allows for imagination we have to be imaginative right because so many of the structures and forms of togetherness that we have today i think are just insufficient and uh, and are really
2: lacking and particularly from the trans perspective it's also There's also a way in which, for example, history has been whitewashed and cisgendered in the sense that we don't recognize our queer and our transgender and genderqueer ancestors because they have just been erased. Mm -hmm. So I think queer creation and genderqueer and transgender creation is a way of manifesting yourself within the reality and also manifesting yourself within sort of the collective consciousness yeah. that it's a means to fight erasure it's, mm-hmm. Im- it's we, we talked about this with gentrification for example yeah. gentrification and the sort of loss of queer space is is a form of erasure totally. of queer life yeah. so every form of creation that is queer that is gender queer is w- rather th- whether that be in the internet, whether that be an Instagram account, whether that be a, a platform, a residency, a political party, whatever, it's a means of creation and of establishment of these forms of beings. Absolutely. And then yeah. there's there's one other thing that I would really like to talk about, which is sort of the aligning with struggles of others Mm, mm -hmm. so we we have talked about intersectionality before a bit but for me this radical potential really means thinking about those in the community that need the support the most because they are being marginalized by the system the most and so i think in all of our activism we should ask ourselves the question is that benefiting the ones that are being hit the Mm. hardest Mm -hmm. And I think it's also important as a community
1: that we see where to really to really make it a community and bring bring bringers bring each other together, you know, to see where does my identifying as being gay and as being very as exhibiting feminine in quotation marks behavior, you know, like how does that how does that. Align with the struggles of uh, trans women,
2: you know, and
1: um, and
2: um, and what can you maybe also do to yeah. to help them from your place of privilege?
1: Yeah, exactly. And understanding, you know, when when does my struggle no longer align with theirs, you know, and mm-hmm. how can yeah, as you said, with yeah. my privilege, can I help those who are not as
2: privileged, and not give in to this, uh, not give in to this idea of assimilation, mm. that we can see now with um, with gay people, for example, having gained marriage equality in most um, in most countries mm. in the global north, to still keep fighting and to mm. v- to see where this movement was born. It was born from trans people of color, mm. and we need to keep. Fighting until everyone is liberated, because yeah. until until not until everyone is until everyone is, we are only liberated when everyone's liberated. Yeah. Now I got it. Yeah, sure.
1: All right. So now we're gonna play a little song. That's what friends are for, by the legendary Dionne Warwick, Elton John, Gladys Knight, and Stevie Wonder. Enjoy.
0: I'm
2: Mm, Yeah. We're reaching our closing. I'm gonna cry. Sad. Yeah, I can already feel the tears. No. (laughs) Mm, But we'll be back. We'll be back for sure. You Mm. can't get rid of us easily. Mm. So just stay
1: tuned. Yeah. Also, by the way, if you... If you really enjoyed... Even if you didn't. But if you enjoyed listening to us talk, then um, there's definitely... There's definitely mo- uh, ways to to hear more from us. Um, this lovely creature sitting next to me, Bela, actually has a beautiful podcast called Queering the Perspective. And um, yeah, go check it out. It's on Spotify.
2: Yeah, it's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. Oh, true, it's yeah. It's You're everywhere. Yeah, everywhere where you can find your podcasts. Mm. And just to maybe say a few words about it, what my idea was, is basically to challenge our forms of gender and power relations. And in every episode, I'm talking with one guest about a topic of their choice, which is either of personal, activist, or academic interest to them, or all of the three. Mm. So, then yeah it's a little bit of A Q&A format but at the same time it's also just a discussion between friends and very much back and forth and just challenging all times of all types of assumptions and norms and really a space for what i would call radical authenticity and self-empowerment and really also tying back into this creation what i mentioned before like for me that's a way of manifesting my non-binary essence Mm -hmm. you know my gender queer identity of not being erased you know Uh because i am not represented in mainstream media platforms i'm not represented in mainstream podcasts and in mainstream fashion and in mainstream movies everything so i guess one way to go about this is to just do it yourself diy i have no idea what i what it is to be podcasting and i just thought okay let's learn it you know let's mm-hmm. ask around let's check out with what people are doing and just yeah just organize it yourself mm-hmm. and give a space for mm-hmm. other non normative identities and people to give them a platform to speak mm-hmm. about what is important yeah. to them and in that sense really create to yeah. disrupt create to challenge create to resist
1: yeah
2: it's definitely I
1: mean your podcast is is I think not just educational but also fun and I think that with the platform that you have there's also a certain response responsibility that comes along with it right to uh to represent underrepresented voices marginalized voices and uh and speak about some of the struggles that queer identifying people um deal with i mean your first your first episode was about queer psychology yeah and that was for me extremely extremely educational
2: yeah yeah because it's sometimes just perspectives that you never hear that are never told to you that you don't learn in high school that you don't learn through your family and that you don't learn through your social circles Mm. so yeah in a sense also for me it's a beautiful process because it really it really provides a way of learning you know to keep evolving and i constantly also catch myself finding out new things about me and like educating myself further to Mm. have more enticing conversations and that's something that i super enticing Mm -hmm. and that's also something that I would really like to to say in this ending in the last like few minutes of this show is that we are also still learning you know Mm -hmm. everyone is learning and we are in a big process I myself I'm in in the process of being genderqueer and still not knowing 100% what this is all about Mm. and being more confident in the public. You mentioned it also, not policing yourself, really challenging and unlearning this violence that you constantly internalize Mm. and inflict upon you because of some norms and some behaviors and some sense of Mm. obedience to Mm -hmm. status quo. So,
1: I'd like to... um, to those queers, to those cute queers out there listening um, who we probably don't know, um, there's also uh, opportunities for you to get involved with um, with queer community events here in Maastricht. And uh, if you're not familiar, there's uh, associations like U M Pride Dionics Fridays for Queer Fridays for Queers that uh, we we really urge you to check out on on social media yeah and get in touch you know
2: and for example also the Lady Fast or the manager mm. that we mentioned also sharing queer content and yeah this is also very much an invitation to um, contact us personally via our social media I can. For example, say my Instagram is bela.bellissima with an underscore in the end. So if you have any questions and if you would like to be put in touch with the queer network of Maastricht, just drop me a message. I'm always happy to, extremely happy and stoked to meet new mm. queer people. Get those followers, get those likes. That's my yeah. actual reasoning. Yeah, yeah. You got yeah. me there. <laughs> and another thing that I wanted to point out is that um, the amazing Katinka is doing a student um, student life podcast and she and I recorded an episode around pronouns, which is also a topic that is extremely important and that I can talk about forever because it's making me so furious. So if you want to hear me raging about it a bit, check it out. It's releasing right after the end of this show. Hmm. So um, yeah,
1: just as a few closing closing words I'd like to say thank you to RGV to Student Radio Maastricht 107.5 FM thank you Saki for uh, your input we enjoyed it I'm glad to always be a part of these kind of conversations and um, tune you. in next Wednesday Yeah. yeah. like yeah. every
2: Wednesday at 6 there is a radio show mm. from the Student Radio Maastricht yeah yeah and hopefully we can be back at some point. Mm. I personally had the time of my life talking to you, Yeah. you fierce queen. So, mm, babe, <laughs> all right, love. We're just not going to shut up, right? We're just yeah. going to keep talking.
1: No. Mm. <laughs> Let's leave it at this. Love is the message by LFO.
2: Listen to the message. Mm. Bye. Bye.